The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan of the Southern Star and as always I'm joined by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we get into things I'd just like to give our listeners a gentle reminder to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose Credit Union, choose local, choose community. Now, later on on the podcast, we'll be hearing from one of West Cork's biggest sports stars, Connor Howran. He's back in West Cork at the moment to visit family and friends. And Kieran caught up with the soccer star at the opening of the new Bandon Family Centre this morning. But Kieran, before that, let's just get straight into it. Cork, 15 points. Kerry, 114. It wasn't quite to be for the Rebels at the weekend. But there's one big uh, big decision, one big talking point that came out of this game. I still contend it was not a penalty, Dylan. And I'm not for changing. I'm not changing my mind. So, yeah, that was the, the big contentious decision last Saturday. Kerry got a penalty was it 11 minutes into the second half and it it just changed the complexion of the game because Cork had all the momentum before that stage. It kicked four, the first five points of the second half. It closed to within one point. And then came the big the big talking point from the game where um, where I think for a lot of us, we'd forgotten this rule even existed or was brought in a couple of years back. It's where Terry Ford, Paul Ganey, was fouled outside the square by Sean Potter. But the rule says if the if the referee can deem it a goal scoring opportunity, he can award a penalty, which he did. And Porter got a black card, so it was really it was a double whammy for Cork. Um, I think it was incredibly harsh, really harsh, because you two Cork fellas coming in, Daniel O'Mahony and Brian O'Driscoll as cover, and okay, people are saying it was a goal scoring opportunity, but it would want to be some strike from from where he was for him for him to score a goal, um, for for Ganey to score the goal. It's it's um it's certainly divided opinion on on social media, but this is very much very much subjective. Like I was looking at the FA Cup final after the the the, um, the the highlights on on Saturday night, and United got the penalty against Jack Grealish, and that again that was subjective, open for debate. Lee Dixon said it was, and Keane said it was. So it sport does create these debates, and Parky Cueva on Saturday did create this debate where Kerry Folk were happy to take the penalty and take the goal that followed because. It just gave Kerry that that boost and that cushion that he needed for the rest of the game. But for Cork, it was just it was a punch in the gut at a time when they were really getting a stranglehold in the game. Yeah, and um, another person obviously who was very frustrated with the decision was John Cleary, and we actually have a clip that we're going to play now, just of Cleary first, and then Kerry manager Jack O'Connor giving their thoughts on the penalty. So. Uh, obviously, Cleary very frustrated, and Jack O'Connor maybe 
a little bit surprised, but definitely grateful to get the decision there. To tell you the truth, I could I just saw Sean Powder and 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 Paul Ganey coming together. I, I I couldn't make a decision on it, but I watched it inside now last you know two minutes ago. And how does the penalty is is beyond me. If there's a gold stop opportunity, then O'Mani is straight behind him. And uh Powder came out, the two of them came together and I think a free at most, uh, but a black card on top of that, you know, if they're going to be penalties for that. It, it, to me, watch it back, you can see yourselves, man inside, coming along nearly practically along the end line. Very harsh decision. Yeah, I don't have a view really, but the only thing I'd say is the rule is there. There's no one better than David Goff for implementing the rules. He's top of his game. And if he thought it was a penalty, it was a penalty. I, I wouldn't have been too put out if it was a 21-yard free, but... Uh, the rule is obviously there. I know it's never been implemented in the game that I've been involved in before. So this is a first for me. Kieran, I want to start with what Jack O'Connor says at the end of that clip there, because as I said just before he played it, he seemed, if not surprised at the decision, then certainly gratefully said it. He hadn't seen it given in a game that he was involved in before. Yeah, even in the press box on on the, the, the media area on Saturday. When the penalty was awarded first, there was confusion because we were like, that was outside the square. How is that a penalty? And then the, the penny began to drop about this rule, about, uh, like I said, there, if, if a player's inside the, the, the 21 metre line and the referee deems it a goal scored opportunity, even if it's outside the square, the ref can award a penalty. But it's just so rarely used. And it's just almost uh, the consistency of a rule like this. If we look at the game after Dublin Kildare, um, later that evening, there was almost the exact same replica of that moment in that game, and even it was a more, a more, um, a more obvious, um, more obvious version of, of this incident. But no, um, no penalty was given, no black card. It was a free and yellow card to, to the Dublin to the Dub, Dublin to, to Dublin. So it's just a confusion with with this rule. Like it's. It's, it's rarely used. First time I've seen it used, Jack O'Connor said it there, the first time he's seen it used. And that's why I think it's just incredibly harsh on, on, on Cork because it's very much the open to the referee's interpretation. Okay, David Goff felt it was a penalty in his eyes. And at the end of the day, he has the final say and his word goes. But you can see why John Cleary was so irritated and so vexed and so frustrated. And you could hear his voice in that clip a couple of moments ago as well because it was a game changer. You could sense at the game that Cork were really coming into. They were just getting on top of Kerry. Like I said, they got four of the first five points of the second half, those to within a point. But they didn't get that close again for the rest of the game. And you just felt that Kerry were there for the taking. They're, they're not the force they were last year. They look a little bit more fragile. Um, even in the last quarter, they were, not saying they were holding on, but they were edgy. They, they were nervous. Maybe it was scar tissue from a couple of years ago when, when Cork hit carry that late soccer punch that marquee goal in the 2020 Munster semi-final but you just felt that Cork could have got something out of this game unfortunately they didn't and I know this Cork team don't want to talk about or hear about moral victories but while this was another step in the right direction they'll be thinking this week Jesus that was a missed opportunity Yeah is that part of the, dis the disappointment as well because last week we were talking about how you know if, if Cork got close to Kerry it would be a good result and yet this week we're talking about how it feels like a gut punch, like you say, it feels very disappointing. Because Cork did get so close to Kerry and they got so close to Kerry, they got to cut him, cut him by the neck and round their neck, you know, they were that close to getting one over the neighbours. But 
what, what Kerry have too, they have David Clifford and he finished with 1-5 and he's just a class act. And it almost came down to that as well at certain stages that Kerry have those natural forwards, those big players that can get a score out, 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 of, out of nothing. And there was one point in the first half where Clifford came outside the 45, collected the ball and just sent a beauty over towards the, the 10 stone live, live at the marquee. Like it was a superb score, but it shows why he is the best in the game. One of the top forwards in, in the country, whereas Cork, again, and it's been a team during the league, they just left chances behind them. There was uh, one stage in the second half, Dylan, Cork missed three frees in a row, two from Brian Hurley and one from Stephen Sherlock. And there were all little opportunities to put more pressure on Kerry. Because so Jones had a terrible wide in, in the first half when uh, all the hard work was done. He room in front of him, steadied himself, but sent the ball wide. So Cork will look back and know that they had the chances to... To, to make it a tighter game, to possibly win the game. And John Cleary reflected on that afterwards as well. It's that composure that Kerry have, that experience that they built up over the years. Cork just don't have that composure right now. But they need to find it and find it fast if they are to beat a big team. Because Kerry showed in, in the second half, even though they weren't playing well, they still got the scores that mattered when it mattered. Like right at the end, when, when Cork were closing up, Thomas Sullivan, the Kerry cornerback, got up the other end of the pitch and tapped over a almost an insurance point, if you like. And he was in acres of space right in front of the Cork goal. It's just, Kerry know how to win tight games. Cork don't know yet how to win tight games against the bigger teams. But I think it was a step in the right direction. What we're going to see now against Mayo on, on Sunday week, and that's June 18th in the Gaelic grounds, is another good Cork performance. And they'll rattle Mayo. Because look at Mayo and Loud last weekend. That, that was quite tight. So there's... There's a chance here for Cork to get that big scalp, and you almost feel that's the next step of this Cork team's development to take down a big team, and that's almost an, another step in the in, in in the right direction. I keep talking about these steps, okay? If, in order, to, there's a lot of steps to get to where Cork want to get, and they're 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 on the right path, but they need to start taking their chances in big games, and they need, they need to start beating big teams because that's the next thing they have to do. Yeah, maybe go from one small step to one giant leap for Cork against Mayo next week, or Sunday week, sorry. Just very quickly on that as well, I know we'll talk about it next week ahead of the game, but what can Cork take from the performance against Kerry into the game against against Mayo that can give them some, some hope there? Because like the first half was a little bit disappointing from Cork, but they came out the, first, the start of that second half up until the penalty, they were brilliant. When they raised their levels of aggression and really, really took it to carry in in the in the second half, you saw a Cork team that that looked like it could do something, and I think that's very important. Like they were a bit passive and sloppy in in the first half. Uh, they weren't taking their chances. They only got three points from play in that first half, but in in the in the second half, it's almost like they were left off the left off the shackles a small bit, and they they just sensed that Kerry were there for the taking, and they went for it. And they, like I said, they got so close, but then the penalty knocked them back. But what could they take from it? If we go back to last year's Munster semi-final against Kerry and even the All-Ireland um, the All-Ireland quarterfinal against Dublin that, that followed, Cork faded badly in the, the last quarter of both those games. I think we mentioned in last week's podcast that Kerry outscored Cork something like 11 points to one in the final quarter of their championship game last year. But this was a game last Saturday that saw Cork going right towards the end and really putting up the Kerry right to the final whistle. And John Cleary noted that after as well that he feels that Cork are now built to, to, to last longer in games 
that the panel is stronger, that they're a fitter team, that they're a year further along in their development. And you could see all that on, on Saturday. And just on the panel as well, the fact that Cork could bring on players like Stephen Sherlock and Omar Sweeney, who both kicked two points each. I think that points to a strong panel right there. This is still a Cork team that's missing Connor Corbett. Uh, Kahlamani will be out for the championship. Two top young forwards who would make a difference. And I think Cork in the next next couple of years, like they'll be central figures in the in that Cork attack because they're two really, really good footballers. So you can see the, 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 the a strong Cork panel forming. And I'll just point across to Kerry for a second. I was looking at the Kerry bench. And the Kerry bench, you're, you're, you're pushed to find the game changers there. So for Cork to be able to bring on the players like McSweeney and, and Sherlock, and even John O'Rourke came on, came on late as well. Like it, it shows a Cork are building a strong panel there. So I think, I think there's plenty there to take into the, into the Mayo game, but they need to back up this performance. They need another 70-minute performance, take it right to the end. Be more clinical in, in front of in, in front of the goal. Uh, they really need to, to take their chances when they get them. And if they do that, they'll rattle Mayo. Absolutely, absolutely. And fingers crossed that we'll be chatting more about that game next week on the podcast. So tune in for that. But moving on now, the West Cork Academy begins their 2023 SFAI Kennedy Cup campaign with three games in two days at the University of Limerick next week. And Kieran, it's a big week every year for young soccer players in the region. And there's one player in particular who'll be making some West Cork history. Yeah, huge. This is a huge week, the Kennedy Cup. You have the, the best young soccer players in the country. They'll all converge on UL for a for a magical week that these players will never, ever forget. So with the, the West Cork team making the trip to Limerick, and it's going to be a very special week for one young uh, schoolgirl, from the West Cork Schoolgirls League, that's Trina Rangers, Emma Hurley. She'll become the first ever schoolgirl to represent West Cork at the Kennedy Cup. And that, that's a terrific achievement. And a huge congrats to, to, to Emma Hurley and to her club, Trina Rangers. But it also highlights just how, how far the Schoolgirls League is coming here in West Cork as well, that we have a players as talented as Emma, who's earned her place on this squad and will be lining out for, for West Cork next week. So, um. Like I said, big week, couple of tough games coming up. Like you said, they're dealing with three games in the first two days. They're taking on Waterford, Limerick District and the NECSL. So that's going to be um, the NECSL, which is the North Eastern County Schoolboys League. So those games are on over Monday and Tuesday early next week. And then it's the outcome of those games to decide what competition that, that West Cork go forward to. So big week for West Cork. This, the soccer scene in, in West Cork is quite strong now, especially at underage level. And we've seen a lot of West Cork Academy teams go quite well in the various competitions. So this is another chance to put West Cork soccer on the map. So to all the, the players heading up, enjoy it. It's a trip that you never, ever forget. And, and hopefully they can they can do better than last year, which would be incredible. Last year's team got 11th place overall, I think, which I think was a record for, for West Cork. So... If the current crop can equal that or better it, that would be absolutely sensational. Absolutely. Into the top 10 this year for West Cork, hopefully. Um, Kieran, we've spoken a lot about West Cork rugby on the podcast and you've written about it a lot in the newspaper in recent weeks. We had Laura Guest on to talk about her, her career and about how rugby has grown since she was a player. Of course, last week we heard from Tom Savage of Three Red Kings about the brilliance of players like John Hodnett, Gavin Coombs, um, Jack Crowley in Munster's URC win. 
In this week's star, you're looking at the future of rugby in the region and how Munster's success can can catapult the game here to even further heights. Yeah, this is in terms of Southern Star, and it's going to be well worth checking out. It's a it's a deep dive into the impact that um, that Munster's URC win will have on rugby locally here in West Cork because West Cork played such a starring role in 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 in, uh, in Munster's win. Obviously, you John Hodden at men of the match, and he got the got the try. Jack Crowley had another terrific game. You Gavin Coombe starting as well. Josh Witcherly came on in the second half. Benin Witcherly was part of the travelling party as well. So that's five West Cork men who play important roles in the in the, the Munster team. And these are men from all across this region. Josh and Benin started off in Bantry Rugby Club. Gavin Iskibarine Rugby, Rugby Club. John Hodnett was, uh, played his rugby with Clannock Kilty while Jack Crowley learned he's... Um, learned his skills and learned how to throw the ball even with Bend and Rugby Club all, all those years ago. So what I've done, I've spoken to all, all the various clubs just to get their thoughts on what Munster's win and the West Cork role in that it means for, for rugby in West Cork. And they're all, all in united in their same op- opinion. This is great news for rugby in West Cork and it, it'll even take it to the next level because what we have now, Dylan, is we have... Munster rugby players who won a, a big, a major title like the URC, who are from West Cork. So local boys and girls can see what John Hodnett has done, what Gavin Coombs has done, what the Witcherlies, what, what Jack Crowley has done. And they can see how they've, they've learned their trade here in West Cork and have taken it to the highest of heights. Would you think that, that Jack and Gavin are both in Andy Farrell's Ireland squad for the summer training camp and both are in with a, a great chance of going to the World Cup? They're two local men. One is from Skipperine, one is from Inishannon. One played with Skipperine, one played with Bendon. And look at the heights they're hitting. So I think it's good news for, for rugby in West Cork. And it's, it's, it's a really good deep dive into, into the impact of Munster's URC win. So I recommend this one on Thursday there. Yeah, that's our, our recommended read of the week. Maybe we should start doing that every week. That's it. this week's recommended read. And the great thing about them as well is the fact that they are so young, like going forward, um, there'll be years and years of, of seeing them, hopefully in Munster jerseys and Ireland jerseys to come. Um, we're going to hear now from another West Cork man, uh, ba- or Bandon's Connor Howerhan. Kieran, you went over this morning to speak to him at the opening of the Bandon Family Centre. I just want to flag before we play this um, interview that we had some audio issues with the interview so apologies for that uh, it's not too bad but I just wanted to flag it ahead of time as well but how was uh how was Je- or Connor when you you met him this morning Connor's in good form delighted to be back home in Bendon for a couple of days uh I suppose the, it's it's almost one of the when you're a, a successful professional footballer like he is you don't get home as often as you'd like he's he always has these week or so, a couple of days every summer when, when he when he tries to get back to Bend and in a fairness to him, he, he does get back when he can. And it's always nice for, for Connor to come home. And um, he was down, like you said, in the Bend and Family Resource Centre to officially open it earlier on Wednesday. So it was a good chance to catch up with him and just reflect on his first season with, with Derby County because this was the first time in a couple of seasons where Connor had a... That continuity that he needs, you know, he'd over 50 games for Derby. He got six or seven goals. He'd hit 10 assists. And we started to see the kind of horror that we saw a couple of years ago who um, who got his move to Villa, who did so well as Villa got up to the Premier League. And never forget the kind of horror is the first and only West Cork man 
to play in the Premier League. And that's an, an incredible height that he's hit. He's all playing in League One with Derby. And even though it's down a couple of levels from the Premier League, he's still putting in really good performances and he got on the, the League One team of the year. So we caught up about that. And I also wanted to ask him about his recent omissions from the Republic of Ireland squad. He's hugely proud of being a part of the Irish squad for so many years. He has 36 caps to his name, but in the last couple of squads, he hasn't been part of it. So we spoke about that as well and to see what Connor can do to get back into that squad. But when we met up this morning, the first thing I asked him was how good it was to be back in Bendon. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, bringing back two daughters now as well, when I come back is amazing, you know, showing them where I went to school or what I did around the town or whatever it may be. Or, um, you know, and obviously then for mom and dad, obviously to, you know, nan and granddad now, I suppose as you would call them, um, to, you know, to look after them and to see them and spend time with them. It's amazing, like special times really, really, really is, you know. You're 32 now, Connor. You, you left Bendon when you were 16. You spent half your life away from this town, but when you come home, you can still see how important you are. Just met, met a man there who called you a legend, you know? Kind of, <laughs> does, does it ever kind of resonate with you, the kind of the, the impact you've had here at home? Um, probably not, if I'm being honest with you. You know, probably maybe goes over my head a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously very focused and everything on, at the, the job at hand. And, you know, maybe one day when I retire or whatever it may be, I might look back a little bit more on that. But, um, you know, when I come back here, obviously I get reminded of it, which is nice, of course. When I'm in England, it's, it's a little bit different. You probably don't get reminded of it, of it as too, uh, as as much as, as that. You know, mum and dad might drop in something or my good friend Richard Regan obviously might drop something into me. But, um, yeah, look, it's amazing to come back and um, to, to see people here today and say that the impact they've had on young, on young you know, girls and, and, and boys' lives is, is amazing, really, you know. Talk about that impact you have. I think especially moment a few couple of weeks ago, you were named on the League One team of the year, and your dad was across at the awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. How was that like? Uh, it was amazing. Like, um, my wife was away on holiday actually at the time, and dad was over in England, so I thought you know it'd be a perfect opportunity to bring him along. And you know, dad obviously huge soccer fan himself and follows everything so so um, you know intensely. Let's say um, he likes the off season just as much as me, so he doesn't have to watch the scores come in. But um, no, he, he loved it. You know, people like Jeff Stelling was there and Chris Kamara and Vincent Company and all these guys. And Dad was, you know, right alongside him. And, you know, it's, it's amazing for him. The nights are more for him rather than me, you know. So it was an amazing night. Getting picked in that League One team of the year, it's a reflection of the season you had with Derby County. I was even looking at some of the stats there. I think it was seven goals, 10 assists. You played over 50 games. Like, it's the first time, to be, I suppose, is it fair to say the first time in a couple of years that you've had that continuity in games and it showed in your performance? Yeah, I think... Um, Obviously, it was great last year, and one of the reasons why I joined Derby was I just wanted to get back playing again. I think over the last couple of years, obviously, you know, obviously getting promoted to the Premier League um, was amazing, and I wanted the opportunity to try and play in the Premier League. And I stayed around with Villa for a couple of years, which, um, you know, was an amazing time. Um, but I knew I was going to be in and out of the team. Then I went to Swansea for six months. I played regularly there, but obviously, it was only for half of a season. Then I, last year at Sheffield United, I was in and out of the team. Um, so this year, really, I just wanted to get back to playing regularly for the last couple of couple of years um possibly of my career whatever it may be but I thought um, this year you know doing what I did really paid off and I really enjoyed it I know it might be at a level where I I don't want to be let's say but um ultimately it was about getting back playing and I and I really enjoyed the year you know how important was that for you like you said to, to get back playing regular football yeah it was important like like you said when you're so ambitious to get to certain levels you know even uh when you get to the Premier League you know that you're going to do everything you can to try and play but you know your minutes mightn't be as much as you want then like I said going to Swansea was a real a good success for me but like I said it was only for 
five, six months of the season. So I only, I played like 25 games or so, which is like half of the number we've just touched on at Derby. Um, I played about the same number last year in the Championship of Sheffield United. So this year now, obviously, you're getting that little bit older. I, I was at the first time in a long time where I had my career on my own hands. You know, I was free agent. I said, right, what do I want to achieve next year? And I just thought, you know, I just want to play at a club that I'm going to play regularly because um, I've sacrificed that a little bit to try and get to the level that I did. And, um, you know, it was a season that I really enjoyed. And you got so close to the playoffs. So down to the final day of the season, yeah. you just missed out the Peterborough. Yeah, we just missed out. Look, if I'm being honest with you, I know it went down to the last game of the season, but it shouldn't have come down to that really. We kind of threw it away in the games leading up to that. We drew some games that we should have won. We lost some games that we should have drew and we should have been in the playoffs really. But look, ultimately we didn't get there. Um, I know obviously it was a bit of heartbreak because obviously we didn't get there come the last day of the season. But um, if I was being brutally honest with you, it, it, it was before that really that cost us. Obviously, the summer transfer season now. Is it a hope that Derby can get into players so you can mount another push again next yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. Look, that's the plan. Um, you know, at, at, as it stands, anyway, I'm at, I'm I'm at Derby for next year. You know, obviously, anything can happen in football. We'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, as it stands, I'm I'm at Derby, and hopefully, we can recruit well and see how it goes next year. You know. Talk about Ireland for a second. You weren't in the last couple of squads named by Stephen Kinney. Have, did Stephen Kinney call you before he named the squads? Yeah, yeah. Stephen's been brilliant with me. Um, you know, he's called me regularly, and we've all, you know, I, I speak, um, you know, very highly of Stephen. I know Stephen thinks a lot of me as well. You know, we got a very good relationship. So, um, look, it's obviously disappointing, but that's something that obviously the gamble that I took to drop down a level. You know, if I wasn't playing regularly in the championship, would I get in? But I wanted to play every week. Right, I have to drop down a level. Will that, you know, um, sacrifice Ireland a little bit, possibly? So it's all, it's one of them, you know, it's what you want. And, um, you know, I think I've been obviously very close by all accounts to get in. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't to be. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes over next next season again. Um, it's something that I'd love to get back into because obviously it doesn't last forever. But look, we'll see what happens. You know, I've got um, 36, 36 very broad caps. So um, if I can get more, great. If not, then, you know, I've, uh, I've done all right as well. What were the reasons that Stephen Kinney gave? And is, I presume the door is still open. Yeah, I know the door is very much open. Stephen just said, look, um, there's uh, four or five midfielders um, in there playing at a higher level. Um, and that was that was really it, really. And I, I respected that decision, of course. And um, like I said, I've nothing but great words to say about Stephen. He's been great with me since he's taken over and, and given me many caps. So, um, yeah, look, I'll keep the head down and keep working hard. And it'd be great if I could get back in. Like I said, if not, then, um, you know, I've got, like I said before, 36 very pro caps, you know. Of an ambition is it of yours, Connor, to try and get back into the Ireland squad? Yeah, of course. Yeah, look, if I have another season like I did next year, um, playing 50 games and getting into the team of the year, then I'll have I'll have done the best I can. If um, that opens a door for me, great. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of them that I just need to keep playing well and, and see what happens. Coaching for a second, you're still pushing on with that side of things. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, um, I've got a, an A license. Uh, meeting in Dublin um, at the end of my time in Bandon uh, for three days next week um, I'm coaching um, Bill under 16s next year um, which is which is amazing so that's a good step in that direction um, they train night time so with me living locally um, I, I can do that and I got asked to would it be interested in me and I said yes of course so from September I'm, I'm coaching the Bill under 16s which I'm really looking forward to so um, yeah it's um, something that I've got a huge eye on and, and get prepared for as much as I can um, before my, the end of my career, you know. How excited are you by that challenge to coach a team? Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, I'm going to be one of a couple of coaches just to be involved in this. Um, you know, I was in and out of, of Aston Villa. I've got great contacts there still for the time I was there. I live, still live locally there. I was in and out there um, recently over the summer and they offered me a, a job of, uh, of of being involved with the under-16. So I absolutely jumped at it. You know, it'd be great to, 
to for the experience and to having my CV moving forward. And like I said, I'm trying to do as much as I can off the pitch to get ready for that for the transition over the next couple of years. Where's this passion for coaching coming from? Is this something you even even coming up? Did you always have that kind of desire to say, okay, when I get to the later stage, you yeah, want to something I want to get involved. Just in. just obsessed with the game. To be totally honest, yeah, just really really obsessed with it. Um, you know, since I started doing my coaching badges at 29, 30, the B license and now onto the A license, it's something that I've absolutely loved. I'm involved in uh, the League um, League Coaches Association in, in England. Um, we we have um, this like uh, master classes of, of that at St George's Park during the season, and there are days that I go to and things that you you know you learn and you hear people talk about, and it's just trying to get as much as I can information as possible. And like I said, it's just an obsession with the game that I want to stay in when I when I finish. And um, like I said, over the next couple of day, over the next couple of years, sorry, it's something that I'm. I'm definitely going to go into, you know. And is it important for you to have that for life after football? You know, kind of that transition to whenever you hang up your boots in however many years' time to have that, not a fallback time, but that other exciting kind of chapter. Yeah, football. for sure. It's it's you know before I started my coaching badges, I always kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of never wanted my career to end, kind of thing. I was scared of of the finishing line. Um, and now that I've got such passion for the for coaching and management afterwards, and it's something that I'm looking to get into. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want your career to win, but it's it's a finishing line that I'm I'm not as fearful of of, of anymore because I know, hopefully, that there's an exciting chapter after that as well. You know, so a lot of friends in, in Benz and FC here have they put in a call to to bring you back home? <laughs> <laughs> not 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 yes, obviously, my um my my close very close friend Richard obviously is is a the chairman there, so he always on the phone for a favour here and there. But um no, nothing to do with coaching. But look, it's uh it's um it, it's a club fun to my heart, of course, and um. You know, anything I can do through Richard is something that I always do, you know. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And Kieran, now we're going to have a quick look at what's coming up in this week's Southern Star Sport what can readers look forward to? We already flagged it in the big rugby read, so that's well worth checking out. We also um, have a nice piece on John Hodnett, who picked up a West Cork Sports Star of the Month Award uh, last weekend. Matthew Hurley has spoken to a couple of members of Connie Kilty Rugby Club to get their memories of John Hodnett growing up. So that's a really nice piece by Matthew Hurley. We also have a tribute to the late Teddy McCarthy, who passed away so suddenly on Tuesday night, and Tom Lyons's has paid a lovely tribute to, to Teddy Mac and uh, along the lines of the, the King is Dead. Um, because when you think of Teddy McCarthy, he is a Cork GA icon. He's a Cork sporting icon and he's sadly gone too soon. So it really is a lovely tribute from Tom Lyons and that's well, well worth checking out. Sticking with GA for, for a second, we have um report and reaction from the Cork from the Munster Minor football final last week where Cork came up just short to carry for Cork are right back in action this weekend against Dublin in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. And congrats to Tarandal Oak, Sean Daly, who was part of the Cork under-20 team that won the All-Ireland last week. And we have a report and pictures on that. I've also caught up with Nicola Tuttle. She's the Irish um, women's hammer thrower from Kilbritton, still just 19 years of age, but she's... She's really making waves again this year. She's at three personal bests already and she's set for a big summer. We have the preview of the Kennedy Cup and for the West Cork League has wrapped up. Joe McCarthy has his end of season West Cork League award. So 
any complaints about these awards, you'll find Jeremy McCarthy on Twitter so you can direct all your ire towards him if your club was left out of his awards. We also have a page of pictures from the West Cork Academy School Boys and School Girl Soccer Awards that were held in Bandon last weekend. And we have loads more besides that. Fiona Everard picked up uh, an athletics award. The road bowling championships are hurtling towards the, the, the business end. Castleleva Ladies won the sevens tournament in Killarney last weekend. The Cork team lost to Galway in the Camogie Championship and so much more. So this Thursday Southern Star is well worth picking up. As always, it is. I just want to flag as well that the entries have been flying in for West Cork's cutest pet. So if you have a cute pet of any kind, it doesn't matter, dog, cat, cow, fish, anything, get your entry in. The entry form will be in this week's paper as well. And details are on our website there too. As always, if you're further afield or you can't make it to the shops, you can subscribe to the Southern Star e-paper and get Southern Star on your laptop, tablet or phone just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie, enter your details, and you'll get an exact replica of the newspaper for less than two euro per week. As always, thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, and thanks again to our sponsors at Access Credit Union. If you enjoyed this, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.